Hello, friends, and welcome to the Resilient Leaders Podcast, where we believe resilience in leadership is not simply a good idea. It's absolutely required. I'm J.R. Briggs, founder of Kairos Partnerships. And if you're new with us, welcome. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. And thanks for joining me on today's episode. And thank you to so many of you who have left a review or have recommended this podcast to other leaders who want to grow in their resilience. Well, today we're going to be talking about practice. Why? Because practice and resilience go hand in hand. To be resilient is to have an ever forward mindset and posture, to want to push toward growth and progress and maturity and improvement. Now, if you're an NBA fan or you live in the Philadelphia area, you know about the infamous media interview of NBA star Allen Iverson when he played for the Sixers. He skipped practice one day because he didn't feel like it, and the media was all over him for it. During the press conference, he repeatedly and passionately reminded the press, we're talking about practice, man, practice, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Very famous. You can look it up on YouTube. Before you hit puberty, you've had your first girlfriend. You heard the line, practice makes perfect. Well, I hate to break it to you, but no, it doesn't. Recently, I was reading the book, Peak. Secrets for the new, from the New Science of Expertise by Anders Ericsson, the late psychology professor who taught at Florida State. He opened his book with this line, why are some people amazingly good at what they do? When we see someone with exceptional ability, we immediately make ex- uh, assumptions about them, that they are just a natural born talent, or they or we're led to believe that passion, desire, and hard work alone lead to improved performance. We hear of Malcolm Gladwell talk about the 10,000 hour rule. If you just practice for 10,000 hours, you'll go from mediocre to good to great to genius. Just keep working at it, we hear people tell us, and you'll get there. But it no longer makes sense to think of people as being born with what Erickson called fixed reserves of potential. Instead, what the science tells us is that potential is an expandable vessel shaped by the various things that we do throughout our life. After much research, Erickson found that it's not practice that makes us better. What's troubling is that research has shown that once a person reaches that level of acceptable performance, the additional years of practice don't lead to any improvement at all. If anything, a doctor or a teacher or a driver who's been at it for 20 years is likely to be a bit worse than the one who's been doing it for only five. A little bit scary, isn't it? But why is this? Because the automated abilities gradually deteriorate in the absence of deliberate efforts to improve. We put it on cruise control, autopilot, and we get worse. Now, here's the thing. It's not practice that makes us better. Erickson says it is the right kind of practice that makes us better. It's what he calls deliberate practice or purposeful practice. Do you want to improve your tennis game? engage in deliberate practice. You want to run a half marathon with a better time? You must engage in deliberate practice. If you want to improve on your writing skills, yep, deliberate practice. Do you want to become a better salesman? Deliberate practice. 
So how do we grow in this so-called deliberate practice? If we want to be a better teacher in the classroom and to be more effective in communicating our lessons, how do we do that? If we want to lead our team of managers better, how would we grow? If we want to be better at writing, how would we approach it? Erickson gives us several specific ways to do this. First, he says, deliberate practice has very clear, well-defined, specific goals. Rather than sitting down and trying to play the same musical skills every day for the next two months, instead, we must play the piece all the way through at a proper speed without making a mistake three times in a row. Purposeful practice is about putting a bunch of baby steps together to reach a long-term goal. Number two, Erickson says, purposeful practice is focused. You seldom improve much without giving the task your full attention. We cannot multitask. We must be very laser-like in our focus as we think about our, our purposeful practice. Number three, purposeful practice involves feedback. We must have ongoing, honest, helpful feedback to act as a mirror to tell us what we're doing well and to tell us what we're not doing well and how we can improve. It's like the Monday morning game film for football players to see what they did well and what they did not. Feedback, something that we've talked about here on the pad, on the podcast before. Number four, purposeful practice requires getting out of one's comfort zone. The truth is, this is why people don't engage in purposeful practice. But if you never push yourself beyond your comfort zone, you will never improve. Simply put, the best, most strategic way forward is not to try harder or more frequently, but rather it is to try differently. It's a technique issue. And oftentimes the barrier is more psychological than anything else. To maintain focus with any effort required by purposeful practice is hard work. It is generally not fun, but it is how we grow. As my friend John Cavanaugh said to me half my lifetime ago, it's only when we are vulnerable that we grow. Erickson ends his thoughts on the concepts of deliberate practice with these words. He says, quote, so here we have purposeful practice in a nutshell. Get outside of your comfort zone, but do it in a focused way with clear goals, a plan for reaching those goals, and a way to monitor your progress and figure out how to maintain your motivation in the process, close quote. No, practice does not make perfect. Practice makes improvements to some levels, but then you plateau. But as Erickson found in his research and wrote in his book, deliberate practice with specific and clear goals, staying motivated is truly how we grow over the long term. So let me ask you this. How do you want to grow as a leader in this next season? What areas do you sense you want and need to grow in? What are your gaps? How are you going to do that? Who's going to help you do that? If we've learned anything from Anders Ericsson, we won't say something generic like, I want to get better at follow through, or I want to be a better speaker, or I want to be better at sales. It's as unhelpful as making a New Year's resolution that says, I want to lose weight and get in shape. The truth is, you just won't do it. You've set yourself up for failure right from the start. So remember, like Erickson said, have clear and specific goals. Create a series of baby steps that will move you toward your goal. 
Get feedback. Have a frequent feedback loop. Be focused about it. Get out of your comfort zone, do hard things, and push against that homeostasis and maintain your motivation in the process. So, like Alan Iverson said, we're talking about practice. Don't practice. Instead, take the advice of Erickson, engage in deliberate practice. It's the only way that you will grow over the long haul. Thanks for joining me today. And muchas gracias to our valiant and creative podcast producer, Joel Limbowen. Check out his great video and podcast production work on his site at onalimproductions.com. Leaders, be faithful, available, teachable, and hungry. Keep leaning in and learning. And remember, don't practice. Instead, engage in deliberate practice. It's the only way you'll grow over the long haul. And good news, long-term growth leads to greater resiliency for you as a leader.